0: It's like football
1: baby <laughs> what's going on everybody welcome into another episode of the fantasy football smackdown i am your host jake rip you can find me on twitter at jake takes ff and joining me as always folks you know him you love him, and if you're looking for a cool cat to follow on Twitter, you can do so. Follow him at Kyle Month Eight. Oh man, see, I, I messed up my intro now. He is on <laughs> Twitter at Kyle Month Eight, but but however, he's on this show all year long, folks. Give it up for Kyle August. Nailed it. The wording doesn't work so right the way. I, I tried to switch it up a little bit and give it a little bit of flair, and I'm like, oh man, how do I talk about how he's here all year long and not just in month eight? Ah, hit mode bumps early. What's going on, man?
0: Dude, it's good to be here. We'll cut you a break. I I have uh I was steering the ship the last couple of weeks. You know, we've we've had some fun talking draft strategies, had Addison on last week, had a blast talking about reality sports online. That was a ton of fun. But uh man, I'm doing good, fresh off of vacation, few days off, and uh good weekend and right back to it uh here mid-June. Football can't get here soon enough, though, man.
1: Yeah, you know what? And speaking of that auction, I was thinking about that the other day. And actually, even today, I was like, you know what? I, I was thinking about some of the specific players I was bidding for. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I think you, I think you were taking it a little easy on me in this draft. I think there was a couple points, like, you know, we were going at it for Chase Claypool there. I think it got to a point where you were like, you know what? Ah, this is this is Jake's first time. I'm gonna let him have Chase Claypool. We went back and forth on Tyler Lockett. I think it was the same thing. I think you were like, you know what? I don't need to win Tyler Lockett. Let's let Jake win somebody in his first auction. Is there any truth to that? Dude, I, I did not I would
0: never go easy on anybody, especially in fantasy football. But okay. I will definitely tell I will de- I wish I would have remembered more of the names too. And I'm sure I probably could just look at your team. But I I and in addition to those two guys, I definitely remember times where you and I felt like we're going head to head on players. And I'm like, in my and jokingly like in the chat, I'm like this is gonna be a rough podcast this week because you keep getting you keep stinking up the show here by making me outbid you know you that was it so yeah. it's, it's just funny man
1: you know what if, and for Tyler Lockett I think for some at some point it got personal it was just it was there was no one else bidding it was just me and you back and forth and back and forth I was like you know what I'm gonna win this player and then all of a sudden whatever I bid. I saw the time start ticking down. I'm like, oh, oh no, three, two, one. Like, ah, I, you know what? I, re- I instantly regret I should not have paid whatever I paid for Tyler. Lockett. <laughs> I, I did the,
0: I did the same thing in another auction this year with Jerry. It was only because it was, I was going head to head against Jerry. I was like, I am not losing. And then like I paid Michael Gallup an obscene amount of money. And I was just like, Oh no, what happened? But in the, in that for that, like 10 seconds, you're like this, I won. Ha ha. And now you're like, Oh shoot. Now I live with it. But uh, yeah, dude it. I'm on. I'm usually on the wrong side of those. I feel like than winning, but like, cause, but when you do pull it off, you're like, I got him. You know, I, he got stuck with that contract. But unfortunately, I I'm on the other side most of the time. You have that like ten seconds of glory, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh great, I have to live with my decision now.
1: Yeah. Here I am with Tyler Lockett now, probably on a three to four year deal <laughs> for way too much money. I don't even know where he's going to be in two years. But yeah, that's how it goes in these auction drafts. You live and you learn. Uh, and and in case you have not heard folks, I'm going to transition here. The fantasy football SmackDown is streaming live to YouTube every single Monday night. So, uh, subscribe to the DWZ YouTube channel so that you can catch as many live shows as you possibly can handle. If you're tuning into this one right now, then you see this sweet gear that I'm sporting on the show. Um, I I don't even know if I should say what it is. Like, I feel like I'm spoiling it. Oh yeah. Don't give it away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You're right. The people who are here on YouTube, they're seeing that. Hold on. I'll,
0: Ah, look at that. Man, you guys are missing out if you're not on YouTube.
1: Yep, you can hear the excitement in Kyle's voice. You're really, really missing out. So, uh, like I said, go, uh, subscribe to the DWZ YouTube channel. Uh, you'll catch us every Monday night. Uh, if you can't hang with us Monday nights, you, then you're all good. You can catch us Tuesday morning. Make sure you're sp- subscribed, subscribed to the podcast. Man, you know what? There is something to this hosting thing. I think that you need to do. You need to build like some momentum or get a little bit of rhythm going, like on a weekly to biweekly basis. The two weeks off is definitely it's leaving me stuttering. I can't <laughs> find my words. Sub- well, and- I can't say subscribe, which is a problem. <laughs> yes, if you can
0: pronounce anything, it should be that. Uh, no, the worst is, and especially too, because I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm I'm the best host, but I definitely like my even my everyday English. There's struggles, so the worst is when you're doing a podcast is that once you mess up once you may be okay. You can rebound from that second time. Now it starts getting in your head yeah, and yeah. by like three or four, you're, you know, you're like that second baseman chucking it into the 18th row. You know, it's just how it works. So, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, now that you said that, <laughs> now I'm totally in my head, but let's, let's keep, yes. uh, let's keep strolling through this episode. Uh, Absolutely. what two weeks ago, it, uh, we had the episode, Kyle, you and I, uh, we started exploring a little bit of the zero RB, strategy uh, and a little bit of the risk reward ratios surrounding that uh, I know we've kind of touched on it since then but um what what are your overall thoughts about the zero RB strategy let's wrap up that whole episode is there any any chance you might be doing a little zero RB this summer yeah and it's been it, we're de-
0: we're going to be diving into like in depth on so many players as we get closer to draft season and think and just talking about strategies has been interesting. It's definitely motivated me to do more mock drafts just to try it out, you know, sl- sleeper, especially. So it's so freaking easy. You can just, you know, do one against computer. I, I will have some more as we get closer. i put together listener ones. Usually it's just so people can get a feel against drafting against other other people and that might be trying to do the same strategy. But I will tell you, man, it was a great discussion. I'm definitely glad that I dove into it. It was really the first time I would say that I really took a look at it, you know, and and as we talked it out and then attempted it there. Like, I had tried it before. I kind of knew about it. I kind of looked at things a bit, but I never really dove into it as much as we did, you know, leading up to that show and during that show. I'll tell you, man, I've done some mock drafts with that strategy, and it is nice. Not- it's just not my it's just not my it's thing. Tough. Like it's tough,
1: it's man. Not, it's not because you don't really you don't know that the zero r b strategy works until like mid to late season when you see how everything plays out because a true zero r b strategy has RBs that you know the Michael Carters of this year, the Trey mm-hmm. Sermons, the rookies who have that upside or backup running backs who might come in for injury, but these guys that can pop off, you just don't know it until you know November, December, whenever.
0: Yeah. Um, dude, it's an uneasy feeling though, too, because not that, not that I've ever like draft, you know, draft for safety. I feel like that's a great way to lose, you know, to be honest, like I just feel like, but at the same time, I don't necessarily know I want to leave my draft going like, damn, bro. If I don't get that first waiver running back or something coming right away, I'm being trouble. You know, that we talked about that anchor strategy. So if you missed it, go back and and check out the rest of the show, but definitely a great discussion. I think talking strategy at this point of the year is, is a, something that's going to be helpful. We'll keep that in mind as we're moving forward because now it's going to change how we evaluate these players too. It's not just like, oh, this guy versus this guy. It's the decisions that you're making as those players are on the clock. So it's, it, that one was a ton of fun. Definitely glad we went through that exercise.
1: Yeah, and we're going to be moving into the wide receiver position today. But before we get into the bulk of today's show, I want to talk a little bit about some, uh, some of the more recent NFL storylines that have been going on here because there's actually a few interesting ones which is enough to get me excited, you know, as we sit here, middle of June, you know, storylines are, are hard to come by. And uh, <laughs> there's, there's a couple of decent ones here that piqued my interest. Uh, so let's start with this one. Kyler Murray wants to run less. He was quoted saying in quotes, his legs should be a luxury uh, and the, the offense sh- can't be so one dimensional. Uh, as evidence of their performance as a whole once Kyler started becoming a little bit more conservative running the ball like after week 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you take away from that quote? Is it, you know, it's, it's always a bit concerning or a little more concerning to me when it comes straight from the player as opposed to the coach saying, oh, we want to run the ball less or the offensive coordinator saying, oh, it would be good if we started relying more on the passing game. But mm-hmm. coming straight from Kyler, what do you think about that? Uh, he said he wants to run
0: less. I'd say wants are nice bro. Like you you are, you make this offense go because you have that aspect of your game, even, you know, and yes, over time, these players, and we've seen it with, with Russell Wilson, I think like not, and he was never to the degree of a Lamar or Kyler, but like over time, you know, he's kind of dialed it back. He's played smarter um from that aspect. And you don't necessarily, you don't need, you know, that rushing production from Murray to still have a solid quarterback because unlike Lamar Murray is still throwing the ball a ton. You know, his, you know, his attempts are, you know, more normalized compared to Lamar, who, if he doesn't have that rushing, you are screwed. Now we did see last year, you got a glimpse of it. When Kyler stopped running, he was not great, you know, but in, it, and especially in comparison because he was on freaking fire to start the year. So especially this time of year, and we'll get into more of these, I'm sure here, even, you know, some other examples, but like you, you definitely kind of, you kind of tuck this away a little bit. You know, if you, the more and more you keep hearing it, you know, it's kind of that, like, where, where there's smoke, there's fire, type of things. But for now, it's just kind of like, all right, I'm making a note. I'm not moving. I'm not overreacting to it. Um, I might take a look at, you know, hey, what was that? What were those stats really like when he wasn't running as much? Right, like what is my floor here? Maybe compared to what I thought. So uh, it's definitely, yeah, if you're if you're drafting Murray at 102 at, among quarterbacks, then yeah, it's, maybe you're freaking out. <laughs> but I think the smart move is to kind of just stow this away. Maybe look at him from a different perspective. And then just keep keep your ear to the ground a little bit.
1: Yeah, you talked for a second about how the stats were declining after he he began to run less. That was because of a shoulder injury. It, it right? was
0: an injury. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm horrible with uh, remembering what the injury was, but I, I I had him on my team, and I remember he got he got a little banged up. And yep. he just stopped running. He just freaking stopped. And I'm just like, dude, you, I need this. Come on, bro. You got me all the way here.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just to put, put that into perspective and refresh people's memory from weeks one through 10, Kyler Murray, he was literally on pace for 1070 rushing yards and 18 rushing touchdowns. So he was QB one, 30 fantasy points per game over that period of time. He was averaging 10 rushing attempts per game. I mean, it was just absolutely absurd. Um, But rest of season. uh, So that would be what week weeks, 11 through 17. uh, He was QB 14, averaging 17 fantasy points per game. uh, And that 10 rushing attempts per game dropped down to 6.6 rushing attempts per game, which when you zoom out doesn't seem like a huge drop in rushing production. But I guess, you know, that. I'm Uh, assuming uh, those uh, touchdowns uh, evaporated. (laughs) Oh yeah. the touchdown super (laughs) evaporate. He might've had one more rushing touchdown the rest of the season. I I didn't even write it down. I, you know, I guess it was that, uh, that minuscule, but Mm -hmm. you know, just like I said, less than four rushing attempts per game. Doesn't seem like it would have that huge of an impact, but you know, that apparently that's the difference between 30 fantasy points per game and 17 fantasy points per game. Like you said, obviously ending up in the end zone too is (laughs) huge. Um, it's just weird to me that you know the it seemed like the reason he stopped running last season it was because maybe he was favoring that shoulder he didn't want to take any more hits and now it seems more of like a philosophical thing like the offense needs to be better at forcing the ball through the air and actually it seems like the whole coaching staff and organization's on board with that because look what they've done this offseason they go out and get AJ Green they add Rondell Moore in the draft they've already got DeAndre Hopkins I mean this this offense is ready to go so. Uh, you know, like you said, Kyler's still gonna score points from slinging it through the air, but man, the, the the ceiling that's to be had if he ends up running anything like he was, you know, anything closer like he was in weeks one through ten. I mean it's hard. How does he not, how is he not QB one overall?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely would be Uh, it would be a negative for fantasy from a fantasy perspective. And that's the tough part too. Cause sometimes man, that the smarter NFL decision doesn't help us <laughs> for what we're trying to do, you know? So uh, you need, you need to find that sweet spot where they're still letting the, you know, let, let the reins go a little bit, let him do his thing. And he's just a natural rusher, man. He, you know, he's extremely elusive and uh they're gonna continue to leverage that when it gets down to it they haven't done enough i don't you know i think in free agency on the offensive line you know to address those concerns he's gonna continue to be under pressure running a bit you know running for his life at times and instinct's gonna take over and he's just gonna he's gonna get it done on the ground
1: how about this little news blurb here deshaun watson allegedly wants to go to denver you know a little bit about denver kyle coming fresh back from a a little denver vacation yeah uh but apparently, Kareem Jackson of the Broncos went on Akeeb Talib's podcast. Did not know Akeeb Talib had a podcast, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll plug that. I would plug that <laughs> if I knew what it was called. But we'll just call it Talib's podcast. Uh, but he went on there and he, he talked all about how Deshaun has been telling him that he wants to be in Denver. I think I pretty much wrote that down word for word how I read it. You know, telling Deshaun or Deshaun telling him that he wants to be in Denver. And to me, that sounds kind of like. Um, uh, like Kyle, if you were on a football team and you were like, Jake, you should come play on, on this football team. And I was like, Oh yeah, bro. I, I want to play on that. <laughs> football team. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't read too much into this th- kind of thing until I see like a tweet from Adam Schefter, like a, mm-hmm. something from Ian Rappaport. Otherwise it just sounds like uh, maybe just two buddies kind of bullshitting via text message. But do you think there's any, any truth to this? Like there might actually be something going on between the Denver front office And Deshaun Watson. I mean, they already went out and got Teddy Bridgewater. It's clear that they. I mean, I think it's clear that they don't think that Drew Locke's the man. I know Drew Locke isn't the man, but uh, what do you what do you make of the newest Deshaun Watson uh, news? And and I'll make that a two part question. If he goes to Denver, where does he rank for you among quarterbacks?
0: So on the front end, that in addition to bringing Bridgewater, like you also we also saw that apparently uh fields was not somebody that denver trusted either because they were staring him down on the clock yeah. and whether you know they have something you know where they feel they maybe they can acquire watson in some way or because they, even with bridgewater yes he might be better and get it done over what drew lock could provide and they're a team that wants to leverage their defense and play that kind of ball um but yeah for me it's just a reminder that uh any Anytime it just takes one alert. And if Denver addresses that quarterback situation, whether it's with Watson this year or going up to get their guy next season, is I still like Jerry freaking Judy, man. Like, don't you, if you're going to wait for that news to drop, to get him, then you're overpaying, you know? So sure. from a dynasty perspective, like, man, I just, I, those Denver guys, all those pass catchers are still players that I want to try to acquire at their current price. We kind of, you know, you had an opportunity pre-draft. It didn't hit right away, but I still think there's going to be times we're sitting here a year from now. They're going to be in a much better quarterback situation. I feel like if Deshaun ends up in Denver, man, again, he's a guy who runs the ball a decent, uh, you know, a good amount. Uh, He was for me trying to think back now because I had to bury him after all this recent news and stuff. Like for redraft this year, man, he's still out. He's going to be outside the top twelve because I also think that if he plays somewhere. If he
1: goes to Denver, or is that assuming he's in Houston?
0: Uh, either, Ooh. because the problem is, I don't think he's gonna. I think he might play half the year. Like okay. at this point, we've seen the NFL suspend players for far less. And if he has to pretty, if he pretty much settles anything, he is going to get a suspension. So on a per game basis, I still think he'd be top ten because he's that el- he's that elite. His weapons would be off the charts, even better than what he had in Houston last season uh but i really think that he's going to carry suspension with him this year so take that for what it's worth you can you're going to get him at a discount in redraft leagues if he if he misses time you can still you know right now still get him at a discount because people in in dynasty cuz if he misses time uh you know it's just you got to decide which fence you want to be on and uh take that risk
1: at, at what point in redraft leagues i'm trying to think how, I'm gonna, how, I'm, how i want to word this question like uh if you're drafting in Mm, let's say early August, and Deshaun Watson still—we haven't heard anything. He hasn't said he's coming back to Houston. He hasn't said he's going to Denver. Where are you comfortable drafting Deshaun Watson, if at all? I mean, I guess—I I guess you really comfortable isn't the right word because you can't really be comfortable yeah. with that kind of situation. It reeks of Le'Veon Bell uh, type of type of scenarios, but. What do you, what do you think's going on? What would you do there? He, he won't be the only player like this because you'll have injuries.
0: You'll have news suspensions, all sorts of things. They're going to push people down like in a one QB league for me as of right now, like in this scenario, like he's one of those players that the only time I'm really going to have him on my board is like in those leagues that have like keeper uh, potential or like penalties where you can keep guys where you drafted them or something along those lines. Like I'm not even going to rank him. In that, if like it's this cloudy, I'm just going to literally write his name at the bottom of my draft sheet, knowing that in rounds 13 or 14 or whatever, like I'm going to try to sneak one through here before anybody thinks about him. Um, You know, and again, there's gonna be more players like that. I pretty much call it should just be dubbed the Josh Gordon strategy because I'm pretty sure I have done that every year of my life with him. Uh, But uh, that's pretty much in super flex. You're going to go earlier because, you know, if you, you that's I mean, it's a it's worth a ton more if he hits. You know, even if you only get them for half the season and one QB, it's like, man, you're going to have to roster him for so long and that payoff, you you know, at that point, I think you're, you know, you're, you're, I think you might be missing opportunity to try to just find somebody else that can put up, you know, comparable
1: stats. So tell me this, it's early August, you're drafting, Mm -hmm. you're late in the draft, you need a quarterback and you've got Deshaun Watson's there and the other quarterbacks available are uh, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, Derek Carr, Cam Newton, Jared Goff. You pulling the trigger on Watson?
0: Uh, probably not. Or probably over Cam if it's if again, if it's like in the same scenario we know now, just because Baker, I'm just gonna, Baker. but I would take those guys. Like, I I don't want to be dealing with this <laughs> all year. In in one QB leagues, I'll just like I'll I'll figure it out. And superflex, again, the risk reward is way, way greater. But I think by August we'll have an idea. Um, either way. So hopefully we won't have to be staring that down a decision with like n- nothing to work from. But I'm anticipating if you're looking at now, whether it's to position yourself in Dynasty or for keeper purposes in redraft leagues or whether you're just doing rankings, is that I think you, I have him kind of, I will be ranking him from the position of he, he's going to miss time. Yeah. So.
1: Okay, well, uh, I got one more bit of news I want to talk about should be a smooth transition into the wide receiver portion of this show. But the Athletics' Connor Hughes noted that Jets rookie wide receiver Elijah Moore has been the most impressive player at OTAs, and it's not even close. He went on to say that Moore has been, quote, uncoverable near the goal line. Oh, hold on! I'm not done. A, a couple more recent quotes from Robert, it's Robert Sala, right? Sala, Sala yeah, yeah. I, I thought so. I should you know, yeah. I should know that by now. Uh, he said he says in quotes, "His work ethic is off the charts." He also says his mindset is off the charts. He went on to praise Moore's versatility, talked about how you can line him up anywhere on the field. Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like at this rate, like Moore's ADP might get a little, a little stupid for my taste in the in the coming months. Uh, just today, the Jets signed Jameson Crowder, which a couple weeks ago I joked about with you on this podcast. Like I, I was sure Jamison Crowder was out the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got Corey Davis. They've got Denzel Mims. There's Chris Herndon, who no one's talking about, but <laughs> makes for kind of a nice sleeper tight end, in my opinion. I saw something today ab- about Keelan Cole. Yes. He's going to have a spot in three receiver sets. Yeah. I don't know how they figure. I mean, I don't know what with math I'm missing out here, or if there's somehow Denzel Mims is getting the short end of the stick here. Um, but all right, I'm getting off the track here. Anyways, back to, back to Elijah Moore. I just, I, I don't, I feel like he's being treated like there's going to be this guaranteed workload first thing when he walks in. It's almost like an Amon Ross. You know how I love my Amon Ross St. Brown yes. or Detroit? It's almost like that kind of situation where you're walking in and there's no one else you're competing with and there's going to be all these targets, but that's just not the case. Um, yeah. I, you're kind of an Elijah Moore guy,
0: right? I I've really like, I own more Elijah Moore shares in Dynasty than I probably care to share on this show. Like, it, it's just any draft I could get. Like, I had a draft last week. I moved up to go get him. He was sitting there at the 204 in in a one QB league. I was like, I'm going to get him. Like, why is this guy still here? I gave up two seconds to go to, I moved up like a three or four spots, gave up a second next year. Don't care. I want my guy. Um, I thought that that guy would be Terrence Marshall, to be honest. But as like dynasty rookie drafts have worked out more, just as kind of like, you know, he keeps falling and he's going, he's going behind Bateman for me. Like I, I love where Moore's at. If he was picked what two picks earlier, and he carried that first round, you know, aura. He would be yeah. he would be drafted much higher in in uh, in dynasty leagues. We drafted much earlier in redraft leagues. For me, more. Well, we, I mean, we talked about it when we did our wide receiver re rankings after the NFL draft. Like he, it it goes it goes. Jamar Chase, and then for me, Elijah Moore was right there as the number two wide receiver to own for this year of the rookie class. Yeah. You know, it's not. There's it a gap for sure, but. I just think that he, and, but that was also assuming Crowder was going to get cut. I, I still right. think it's tough.
1: That's the thing. I feel like at this point, I mean, should I? Should Elijah Moore even be drafted and redraft? Like I, I, the crowded I, receiver room, the uncertainty at quarterback, the new coaching staff. What do mm-hmm. you think? Yeah,
0: I think for me, again, I've so far I've been kind of comparing him to the rest of this rookie class. Um, you know, I I think Waddle goes into it walks into an interesting or waddles into an interesting scenario. Ha ha. Hey. Uh, but they, but they probably have, I mean, and you, whatever you think about Parker, but they added, Will Fuller's only in this one game. So it's a little bit crowded there as well. Uh, Devonta Smith is paired with a quarterback that I do not trust from a passing game perspective. And so like, it's it just kind of like I said, it's chase. And then at the field. So like, I want to take, I'll take some shots on some of these guys on the unknown. Um, do I wish Crowder wasn't there? yeah, man, I think that would be killer for for more. I mean, he carries that slot uh, you know mentality from uh, from college. He saw a ungodly amount of receptions uh, during his time last year. Um, but I, I think yeah, if this, this hype is fun, you know, because he's a player that I was excited about and I think he's somebody that you got at a re- very reasonable price in rookie drafts. come redraft season, you know he's he's gonna be a guy I'm targeting, but I'm not if this hype train keeps going. Eventually he'll just outprice himself, and you're not going to get a return on round seven, Elijah Moore. Like that's just not in the cards for me. So uh, if he sticks in the double-digit rounds, even maybe even round nine, like I'll I'll take a shot on him. But if he starts creeping around six, round seven, like no, 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 no. Like there's too many mouths to feed there. Um, But uh, yeah, I well, and part of that too, I think you kind of mentioned it. Like there actually was, and this is all a lot of this stuff. Keep an eye on where it's coming from. The coaches, you know, even though it's coach speak, I'll I'll put some weight in that when it's these guys that are speculating like these beat reporters. Like I think some, one of the beat reporters said that he thinks that, uh, Javante, Williams is going to be the starter, right? I don't really care what you think, yeah. you know, it's June, you know, I'll talk to you later. You know, well, well dude, that
1: is, that's actually a fantastic point because, <laughs> and, and this is the season for that kind of stuff. Yeah. These reporters end up getting into training camp and then you can get clicks on stuff like that. Javante yeah. Williams is going to be number one. That got me. I read the same thing. I got a little excited. I checked it out. Yeah uh but I, I totally see what you mean that could be the same thing here like not to uh discredit the athletics connor hughes but i don't know who you are i don't know if you know i, I don't know connor hughes resume or his relationship with the jets or what was going on at practice that day it might have been elijah Moore day they might have said <laughs> let's try to see how much we can get elijah Moore of the ball near the goal line that could have been the objective of that practice i mean i I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but I totally get what you mean as far as like, it definitely means a lot more if it's coming from someone in the organization or that player. And you got, and the
0: coaches, you know, like I said, hearing that stuff from them is good. Obviously they made the pick. So they feel strongly about this kid's talent. So again, at this time of year, you kind of take it for what it's worth, but I don't think you ignore all this stuff. Like even the negative report on Denzel Mims where like, it looked like maybe he wasn't really being featured much. Like Keelan Cole's out there in three wide receiver sets, tuck that away, you know, like, you know, just kind of keep an eye out because the more and more you hear, then you start making adjustments. But yeah, I mean, Elijah Moore is somebody that I'm I'm really pumped for from a dynasty perspective. In redraft leagues, I'm I'm kind of waiting, seeing still who's that number two rookie receiver, and you know, a lot of that will come down to just draft day values.
1: I think that covers the the bulk of anything remotely interesting going on in the NFL right now, but again, not bad for the month of June. I'll, I'll take what we can get, but let's talk a little bit more, more about the, uh, I'm all about more now, M-O-O-R-E, a little bit more about the wide receiver position, a little bit more of draft strategy as it pertains to the wide receiver position. Uh, Kyle, you know, I mean, from the drafts that we've been in together, I dude, I love racking racking up those PPR monsters. I want those guys that when going into Sunday, I have no worries because I know that no matter what the matchup is, my guys are going to get volume. They're going to get double digit targets. You know, if I can make that happen without compromising too much skill level to any other positions, I'm all about it. Uh, You know, that's kind of what makes the zero RB strategy like almost worth trying. You know, the, Mm the reward, assuming that you're able to muster up something in your RB slots. If you're able to make something happen there, then your reward is that you get a pair of wide receivers that are each going to catch a hundred passes with your first couple picks. You know, you could take it a step further and do what we did in that mock draft and take a couple more wide receivers. Now in a PPR league, you're just automatically wrapping up points per reception. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but do you have any specific strategy when it comes to drafting wide receivers, you know, in any specific format and I'll make that one a two part question too. How much of a difference does it make to you if you're playing in PPR formats as opposed to half PPR? Mm-hmm. Does that kind of change where you're maybe willing to pull the trigger on your first wide receiver, uh, stuff like that?
0: Yeah, uh, I'll go with the format specific first. Like for me, if I'm in a full PPR, uh, you know, whether it's whether you have three wide receivers or uh, in, in a flex uh, or even if it's two wide receivers, two flex spots, like if, If I, in PPR, I am treating those flex spots as pretty much as wide receiver slots, trying to get it, fill that as much as possible. Um, And then I'm really treating my RB two slot more like a flex spot. Like I will just, I'm going to create a little rotation for that. You know, maybe hopefully get, you know, three lottery tickets for that one slot, get, get myself one good running back, you know, that I can really count on. And I just treat that running back two slot as a, as a flex a little bit more. In half PPR uh, or God scoring uh, standard scoring, r.i.p um i i am looking i i will treat my my wide receiver two slot or my wide receiver three whatever the last one is i more treat that one as a flex i will i'm trying to get some running backs into those flex positions more often than not you know they're trying to stack those uh those high-end running backs uh in those types of formats and just knowing that like all right that wide receiver two or that wide receiver three whatever the last one is right depending on what you're what you have to start. I, those guys are everywhere. I can find them in the mid rounds and I'm going to just find a ton of these players. So that does make a difference for me. I definitely do make more of a, you know, aim for the wide receiver position. Cause I, I feel like you should always be playing with wide receivers in your, in your flex spots. You know, obviously by weeks will make you ha- have to adjust that a bit. Um, but I, that's my target. I want to have wide receivers for that flex spot. I don't want to have to sit there and roll out, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, God, why am I blank? I should know him. Uh, Harris from the from the Patriots. Sorry. I own him on every league. Uh, Damian Harris. And unfortunately- I love, I love the,
1: how you defaulted to Damian Harris so hard that even when you forgot his name, you're like, no, it's Damian Harris. Can't I, get another running I, back. Damian I, Harris. I,
0: that, dude, that dude is like somebody that I own him in leagues that are PPR and I hate my life. I'm just like, I don't care. This guy can get, he's it, when he gets uh, 15 touches, those are 15 attempts. There's no catches here, right? It's hilarious. You don't want those you get, players.
1: You get no catches as some sort of bonus. You don't even know. I, I mean, I guess he, he went on a little bit of a run last year, but you didn't even know if he was getting the entire workload. Yeah. So I mean, I guess yeah. Damian Harris is kind of the perfect example. Yeah. Like I don't
0: want those, I don't want those guys. You know, like I want there's plenty of wide receivers out there. It can be, you know, the position is insanely deep. So it does differ between those two formats for sure. My strategy though, generally uh, across the board too, is pretty much the opposite of that zero RB strategy. We talked about before. I want to load up on those big name running backs just because they, it's the scarcity, you know, and especially in redraft leagues, because we're all going for the same thing, right? We're all going to win this year. You got to, you got to hit on those big running backs. You know, it's going to be really, really difficult Um, and as we've talked about past strategy today, future shows this month is that there's not a guaranteed way to win. There's not a guaranteed way to lose. You can win, you know, going in different directions It's just, what do you, what do you feel comfortable with? What do you feel your strong suits are? If you feel like, man, I'm really good at finding those waiver wire ads and I, at running back, then yeah, maybe you lean a little bit the other way. For me, I found that I feel pretty comfortable in my ability to identify, mid-round wide receivers that can turn into starters so knowing that i don't want to i i don't want to be sitting there like oh man i really like these guys around seven eight i already have five wide receivers so i guess i'm just adding to my bench and then the running backs are continuously getting worse and worse and worse so that's generally how i'm i'm leaning towards this position uh and it's one that is just extremely deep and i feel it's the same way and like that kind of gets tossed around And i have some numbers for it we can get into here but the the wide receiver position is just so freaking deep that it just kind of makes you feel even more comfortable when you're breaking it down.
1: Yeah, I think our zero RB experiment a couple (laughs) weeks ago is kind of falls in line with what you're saying here. Uh, Like in in current ADP, and, and for the rest of this episode here anyways, we'll be using Fantasy Pro's ADP. But in current ADP, DJ Moore is wide receiver 24. So I think like right there might be the argument for waiting on wide receiver and being able to capitalize on some of that early running back talent. Someone like DJ Moore, dude. You can you know, put me on record saying this. I don't. I'm not. Listen, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I think there's a there's a fine to solid chance that someone like DJ Moore ends up having more receiving yards than Justin Jefferson at the end of the season, who's being drafted eighth overall. Like it's a huge gap. But when you when you compare these guys side by side, uh, you know. If, if this was the year DJ Moore just got drafted, then it would be a whole other story. We'd probably be drafting these guys in the same round. But we just saw Justin Jefferson explode for 1,400 yards as a rookie. So right away, he's going to get that eighth overall pump. But where but DJ Moore is at, and, and I think he represents kind of a nice line for like I, where I'd where draw the line for my team's wide receiver one. Like If I was really going to wait and I started my yes. draft with a couple running backs and I got me a little, you know, Travis Kelsey or George Kittle up there. I might have a quarterback. Uh, I think I'm still comfortable with DJ Moore as my wide receiver one. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious where, and again, using fantasy pros, ADP, where you might draw the line. Like this is the absolute furthest that I'm willing to go. And if I don't take this wide receiver right here, I'm toast. I might as well just pay my league fee and I'll see you in- <laughs>
0: so and the and the other thing to put this into perspective as of right now and again it's early dj Moore, at least what i'm looking at as well and hopefully we're on the same page uh and actually i think i just figured out that i'm not but um it probably doesn't adjust it that much it's around 60th overall i mean that's craziness right like um so yeah, I mean he's definitely a guy. Yeah, 61 overall and half PPR right now over at Fantasy Pros. Yeah,
1: you know what? I had it on PPR. That was my bad.
0: Oh, good. I was on standard scoring. So we none of we weren't ever near each other, really, on this <laughs> for this. Uh looking at it as I'm 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 I like. <laughs> as I scroll down here, there's and there's guys above DJ Moore right now in ADP that I wouldn't that I, you know, that I wouldn't really feel comfortable with, even as as much as I am with DJ Moore. Like Tyler Lockett's one spot above. I will continue to bury Adam Thielen and pretty much until he retires. Um, he's about a handful of spots above DJ Moore right now. Like if I'm just looking at this, you know, I, guys that are going, uh, you know, 27th, 28th overall uh, in ADP right now, T Higgins, Brandon Ayuk. I love those sophomore wide receivers. Would I, if I'm not, I'm not mad if those are my wide receiver ones, like uh, on my fancy team. Now my wide receiver two is probably going to be pretty close to hit those types of guys. Right. Um, but I'm, I've got to be loaded everywhere else uh, and not with a quarterback. Right. So uh, so th- those are two guys that are just a few spots uh, lower, um, you know, so I'm not going too much further than you, to be honest. I mean, there's definitely guys that I like a little bit further down. Um, but yeah, I, I maybe go a few more players. But after that, it's kind of, you know, I'm kind of like, all right, I maybe maybe ignore this a little bit too much. But again, that's round five you know, that's insane. That's insane value for players that can put up 1200 yards. Like we've seen from DJ Moore over the course of his short career. And these two wide receivers, uh, sophomore guys that I just mentioned, I think are, are studs. So I think you can really, really wait on the position and that, and that hopefully means you're walking away your first, you know, three, four rounds with, you know, three running backs and a tight end or four, you know, or, you know, whatever. So it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a position I feel like you can wait on. And if that's all, just one example of how deep this position is.
1: Yeah. Well, what if we went even a little bit deeper? Like, you know, my uh, original idea for this show was to almost mirror the zero RB episode and talk about, mm-hmm. well, okay, what if we did zero wide receiver? Uh, sure. And I feel like you almost never hear people talk about that. Like, is zero wide receiver even a thing or are we just kind of making that up as we go? Like, I feel like what would you? what do you call zero wide receiver? Like your wide receiver one is wide receiver 30 off the board.
0: Well, I mean, when we were talking, when we were looking at it, um, you know, as far as the definition of zero running back is waiting until round five or six for the position, DJ Moore, sixtieth, 60th, o- 60th overall, I mean, that's, you know, you're, you know, you're right around that range. So I, I think you can definitely do that. Um, I think it's just less intentional because it's so it's, it's just much more in line with the rest of everyone's strategy, like with the majority of strategies, right? But I will say, you know, I, I've definitely – be if I can get a shot on one of the elite tight ends, you know, over – even if he's going head-to-head with a receiver, like, you know, yes, in that moment, you know, I might like Jefferson, you know, or Ridley over, you know, Travis Kelsey, right? But it, the value that I'm going to get there for him, having Kelsey as my tight end slot versus the receivers, I can just fill in those other wide – you know, in place of those those wide receiver names – mid draft, that's, that's a trade off that I want. So I will, I will say that for this year and whether I'm overly intentional about it or not, you know, as far as going to get that tight end, I'm sure we'll talk about it this, uh, this off season, but if it comes down to it and I don't like the running backs that are there, I will lean towards picking up the tight end over the Uber elite wide receiver just because again, I do feel so confident that this position is, is extremely deep. It doesn't make these guys bad players, but you know, when you're factoring in, you know, the position scarcity at running back, it, I mean, it the cliff is much steeper at tight end. So that's why it's just like, man, I, I will rather, a, a, you know, go after and target those other positions rather than, you know, take the wide receiver there that early.
1: Again, kind of comparing and contrasting the zero RB thing we did a couple of weeks ago to the wide receiver episode today. What do you think is scarier going wide receiver with your first four picks like we did in our zero RB mock a couple of weeks ago? Or waiting until the, you know, what do I say, thirtieth wide receiver off the board uh, to start your wide receiver core.
0: Yeah, I I think it. I mean, and and this is again goes back to my preference and how I want to handle my team in the format. If it's PPR, if I start with four stud wide receivers and everybody else is going the other way. It's hard to be uh, mad at that. Running back, that sounds awesome, right? Like, I, I will figure it out. And you can still find guys to play. You know, I, I want one. I want to go at least one running back that I feel like semi-confident in, right? So if I'm, you know, I'd even go as far as like, and this is a guy that I'm down on, so we'll see where he ends up on 80 people. Like, if I go four wide receivers and I get Josh Jacobs and PPR, right? Because he could fall that far. He doesn't catch a lot of passes. I'd be totally fine with that, right? I feel like, man, I am absolutely freaking loaded. I have at least one running back. And I will Tariq Cohen it up later on with those yeah. types of guys, and I'll be fine because my receivers are just freaking studly. So in PPR, I would be <laughs> I would be scared if I waited, went zero wide receiver. I think, but in half, man, I I would. I would if I went straight wide receivers in that format, I would probably be scared of that. (laughs)
1: That's that's an important caveat too. Like if it's PPR format, it's tough to wait until wide receiver thirty to finally dip your toe in the water. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd have a and man in PPR, I'd have a tough time waiting outside that DJ Moore range for my first receiver.
0: Yeah, I feel like, and that's and that's probably something I'll do even more homework on this year. Again, I've done it in the past, you know, too, just trying to see what that, where that cliff is at, right? If, you know, what if I, uh, you know, what is my, what are my options? And, you know, if I have to address this position later, how much am I giving up here? Is it a point and a half a game? Is it two points per game? You know, when you looked at, uh, like, you know, you look at Travis Kelsey to the tight end 12. I, it was just some ungodly number. Right. And you're just like that, you know, I don't want that. I don't want to be, if I have the opportunity, I will go, I just, I'll just take Kelsey when it makes, if it makes sense, you know, and I don't have to worry about trying to uh, play that roulette wheel to just get wide tight end 12, you know, that just sounds horrible. Um, so I, I think you, and so I'll, well, well I'll definitely do some more homework on that and bring it as far as like from a format perspective, but yeah, it, it definitely plays a factor for me. I I will much I'm looking at that wide receiver rankings a lot earlier in PPR
1: leagues. Yeah. So if you're if you're interested in in trying out and I don't even know if I want to call it zero wide receiver. If you just want to wait later in the draft for wide receivers, right now, according to fantasy pros, the top 24 wide receivers are gone in the first five rounds. Uh so I want to go through some of the players that are going to be available after that. I'll call this the mid mid late round wide receivers the guys who you can find of you know readily available in like the sixth to seventh rounds depending on uh depending on format they're your wide receiver threes um but I'm, I'm curious what you think of some of these names and if you think some of these guys might be able to pop off for wide receiver two or dare i say wide receiver one type value but uh these are the guys who are being taken in adp somewhere between wide receiver 25 and wide receiver 35 we got guys like Oh, and you know what the names I've written down here I'm realizing now are probably from that PPR list I was looking at so bear with me here Odell Beckham Cortland Sutton uh, the both of the Steelers Juju Smith Schuster and Chase Claypool DJ Chark Will Fuller T Higgins Kyle anyone from that list standing out to you anyone that you really like that uh, m- maybe stands out to you over another uh,
0: I mean I really like I really like T Higgins still I if people are down on him because there's more Chase landing there oh I, and they I are. That's a, that's a mistake. Like I, I think Higgins is going to make a jump Uh, as much as I love Tyler Boyd. It's probably going to come at his expense as well. They're going to throw the ball though. Just a, just a crazy amount of times. Like I'm pretty sure if if an, if there was a measurement of ass ton, that's how many times the Bengals are going to throw the ball this year. It's going to be ridiculous. How
1: how many ass tons, how many ass tons, Yeah,
0: a billion ass tons. (laughs) Uh, No Higgins is the guy that jumps out to me for sure. But every name that you listed there, Besides Odell Beckham Jr. for me is those those guys are wide receiver twos like on for my teams like I feel really what's confident I, in those guys wide receiver deal, twos.
1: What's your deal with Odell Beckham Jr.? I, I feel like I feel like this guy he's got to be a lock for a thousand yards, right? Like my the, the main concern for me with Odell Beckham is like I don't know if the touchdowns are going to be there. Like he doesn't seem like that. Uh, I don't know that Uber, I, I don't, I mean, he's still an alpha receiver. He's still Odo Beckham Jr. I just don't think the touchdowns are going to be available in this offense. Uh, I think, I don't know off the top of my head. I think he had like six or four or <laughs> in some order when he's been with the Browns, but I want to see that number jump up and then pair that with a thousand receiving yards. And then I'm happy, but I still feel like a thousand is doable, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, a 1,000 yards is doable. I don't think that, that, especially now. I mean, I guess whatever that calibrates to over an
1: extra game. That that doesn't make him a a super desirable wide receiver. Um, but, But, I mean, you're in on Jarvis Landry, right? So it's not the offense in particular. It's Odell Beckham that you've got beef with. I think they're both wide receiver threes. And if Odell Beckham's name was Jehoshaphat Jones,
0: we wouldn't even be talking about him where he's at right now. We think that he has this upside that he hasn't had since he got to Cleveland because they just don't throw the ball enough. And they're not efficient to in enough on offense that they're going to get him what he needs to do to be a wide receiver, too, in my opinion. Like, he might get there. He could finish, t- you know, t- you know to 24. But no, man, I don't think he has
1: top 20 upside. That's his new nickname forever <laughs> on this show. I'm going to be like, so, uh, you know, week seven, wrapping it up, Jehoshaphat had about 50 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. Nice day from Mr. Jones
0: yeah dude I, I, he's just a guy that I get I think if you just blind resume him compared to other people other receivers that are in this range man and he's been around enough like when you when you talk about Claypool and Higgins and Ayuk and you know and even Chark you know like I just feel like man I they have some un- unknowns to their game still they're in situations where I think we we feel like it could pop a bit in Cleveland and with Odell Beckham over the course of his career outside that first season and a half like it's kind of just been Man, you know, but he carries he's he has the name and he'll go earlier than I will take him. So maybe that's just it. Maybe I just know I'm never going to actually roster Odell Beckham Jr. ever.
1: (laughs) What about Cortland Sutton? He's another one of those names that I brought up uh, in that list. And last time we saw Cortland Sutton, it was eleven hundred yards and six touchdowns in his sophomore season in the league. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's it seems like he's a bargain at where he's at right now. Wide receiver three value. Um, what do you think is suppressing his value more? The question marks around in the quarterback position in Denver or the addition of Jerry Judy, as it pertains to like target competition in Denver.
0: Yeah. I think the quarterback thing is what's bringing him down the most. I mean it, and when it, and this isn't the only situation, even the Cleveland situation is another one of these. Like I will take whoever is cheapest, you know, on from that team, right? If Judy's going around and half later, then it's no, I'm definitely taking Jerry Judy. If that flips, all, I'm on Team Sutton now, you know. Same thing with Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. I think they're even enough um, that I'm not going to spend a premium price on the other guy, you know. So uh, it's it's man, it stinks because again, I feel like I talk about Denver uh, all the freaking time. Like I wish they would have gone out and got themselves got Fields, right? That would have been we wouldn't be talking about these guys in this range, you know. Right. Um, and I just think with Bridgewater, with Lock or Bridgewater, you know, I think that it's capped that one of these guys can be a low end to a high end three. Right. And then that's it. I don't know if they can sustain both of them at the level that we would want for, you know, consistently feeling confident enough to plug them in our, our lineup. But that's also what you're looking at, you know, with this strategy, if you're waiting and you're taking one of these guys as a starter on your team, you're going to collect a few. And then you have to just know, like I'm playing matchups and you have to, again, what do you feel comfortable doing when you leave your draft? I feel comfortable as hell identifying wide receivers that are, you know, that could break out, but also too, I know that I have an edge over a lot of people in my league because I'm going to put the time in to know that I'm going to get the right matchup call, right? When you have a lot of options, if you, if you hate making that tough call and every week, like, damn it, I keep choosing the wrong guy. All right, well then switch it up. Don't give yourself so many options. (laughs) You know, that's one way to do it. So uh, yeah, that's the tough part with these guys. It's just, what do you feel confident in? I think Sutton, I Man, I'd love for him to actually have a quarterback, but that's the thing that's pulling him back for me.
1: Well, you know, there is a rumor that Deshaun Watson. <laughs> there is, <laughs> yes, you know, it could happen. If you'd listen to Akib Talib's podcast, Kyle, you would know these things. Uh,
0: I, I haven't dabbled in the Akib Talib podcast yet. I I was scrolling through, you know, Apple Podcasts, and I and I'm like, oh yeah, there's the War Zone. You know, I never, nope, no, no, no Akib Talib
1: podcast. Forget it. Hey, make sure you check out the Dynasty Wars and give us five stars. After you're done with that, go ahead and check out Aqib Tlaib's podcast. Leave him five stars. Four stars. Review. Yeah, leave, leave yeah. him four stars and a review that says the Fantasy Football Smackdown sent you here.
0: Exactly. Let them know. Gotcha. Take that, keep. We're starting a podcast for you with Aqib Tlaib's podcast. We don't even know the name of it. It's on. <laughs>
1: uh i also mentioned uh that two of the three pittsburgh steelers are available in this wide receiver three range juju smith schuster and chase claypool uh last season it was kind of just disappointment all around i, I mean not to the worst that it could be but all to, all in all a, another disappointing season for juju smith schuster chase claypool on the other hand serves passing expectations putting together all kinds of touchdowns big rookie year for this guy um, and then, you know, I didn't even bring up Deontay Johnson. He's getting picked in the top five rounds right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my, my first take, I guess on the Steelers offense as a whole, like, I feel like defenses are going to really struggle to stop this Pittsburgh Steelers offense. You know, you, you hear all this, all this talk and debate about the offensive line and what they're going to contribute or lack thereof, uh, in, in the offense. Uh, but, but, I think the addition of a guy like Najee Harris, that's the kind of guy that I think can elevate an entire offense. He's going to be a stud on the ground. Um, and I brought this up a few, probably a few months ago, a couple months ago. I don't know. But I, I said that you'd be seeing these videos online now of Najee Harris lined up in the slot receiving catches, and he's doing that. He's catching them behind the back. He's putting on a show for his audience uh, and I'm buying in. I think the whole thing is going to happen, and I think it's going to make the entire offense better. I think it's going to have to make defenses stay honest. Um, you know, if, if covering Deontay Johnson wasn't enough, then you've got Chase Claypool. If that wasn't enough, you got Juju. Oh, and now you've got Najee Harris coming out of the backfield, who's also going to be a, a big time threat to catch passes. You've got to respect what he can do on the ground. Uh, all that being said, I, you know, I'm still, I'm stuck, man. I, I think this is going to be a debate until you know, September 1st. And I, I pretty sure I've asked you this 10 times, maybe (laughs) since we've started podcasting together, but how do you have these three ranked right now between Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith Schuster and chase Claypool? Uh, and is it pretty much just like throw them in a hat or pick, or do you have some sort of like reasonable process behind your thinking?
0: Well, and the thing that makes it most, the most entertaining discussion point, I think too, is like, there are a ton of great duos in the, in this league. And there are teams that have a solid wide receiver three, you know, like I'm going to end up with, you know, Tyler Boyd will be the three and ADP once we get there, but like, I'll end up with some Tyler Boyd, Michael Gallup. Uh, I think, you know, your, your, your boy Antonio Brown's making a case, you know, to be considered as uh one of those, the, like one of the, first wide receiver threes on his team drafted for fantasy. That is a very long category, but (laughs) he's in the running.
1: If you think we're not going to talk about Antonio Brown, you're mistaken.
0: But for the Pittsburgh guys, it's all like, man, they're all kind of bunched together. Um, We all, we saw success from all of them last year, even though Juju was disappointing from expectations. He had a fine year.
1: Yeah.
0: Kind of helped by the touchdown, but that's fine for me. It's one of those things. It's like it. What's your appetite? You know, do you want extreme upside? I think you're going Chase Claypool. Now I'm not taking him over. Now he's right ahead of T. Higgins and Brandon Ayuk. I don't really think he's I have those guys that's here ahead. So but I think the most upside goes with Chase Claypool. Do you want something kind of you know steady? Do you a target a fan of targets? Deontay Johnson's your man, right? Do you want kind of that uh, you know, the you, you want to Goldilocks this thing? Juju Smith-Schuster, right? He's just he's just right,
1: right? That's a good gonna way to you. look at it. It's almost <laughs> like when you're putting together like an investment portfolio or a retirement plan, and they're asking you your uh, like your risk ratio or whatever yeah. they call it. It's been yeah. a while, but you know, are you, are you a high risk person? You know, mm-hmm. you you want a little Chase Claypool? You want to get that big reward at the end of the day, or you want to play it safe and you know stick with the the targets you're going to get from Deontay Johnson? I think that's a good way to look at the and, and uh, debate the three receivers in pittsburgh
0: yeah I, and juju for me i think he's just right in the middle there um and it helps though, like the reason i keep getting juju in and mock drafts and on teams is because he's coming in last you know yeah. according to adp right now and uh you know and i mean and don't even get i mean on for dynasty he's the only one who can escape pittsburgh after ben leaves so like that's why i love him for dynasty but really? for redraft he's the cheapest so i will take him you know and if he gives me a thousand and seven again or whatever, well, he was, he was just under a thousand last year. Uh, yeah, man, that's, that's great. He's going to return that for you. Um, I love, he's going right now, just behind, he's a just, just behind Chase Claypool, but 74th, 75th overall. That's, I mean, that, again, that's a guy I feel real comfortable with as my wide receiver too, um, you know, especially. So this is why I'm going to wait to these mid rounds and grab guys like that.
1: Yeah, there's already some sweet names you can get in in round six, round seven. Now, let's talk about guys, your late-round wide receivers, guys who are available outside of the eighth round. I'm talking outside of the top 40 wide receivers on Fantasy Pros ADP. Uh, We'll get started with all the Colts. Correct me if I'm wrong, but T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, every single one of them is going to be available. So you can go ahead and get the Colts wide receiver one at no cost. Uh Curtis Samuel, Antonio Brown, Mr. Big Chest himself, uh Jalen Waddle, Mike Williams, Rashad Bateman, Rondale Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown. You get into the uh you start to get into those rookies. Uh, but tell me what names stuck out to you uh that I just mentioned there. Or better yet, why don't we just start with that entire cult picture? Uh, and I'll ask you the same thing that I ask you pertaining to the Steelers, you know, rank those three for me, uh, for redraft 2021.
0: Yeah. I think it's like, uh, you know, when you're going to the store and you want, you want some Oreos, that's the Steeler situation, right? Yeah. If you want, if you want, uh, you know, chocolate sandwich cookie, that's this situation. This is the great value, right? This yeah. is like, this is the generic version of the Oreo cookie. Yeah. You
1: want to, you want to go get some cracked on oats <laughs> cereal that you're going to the Indianapolis Colts store.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. one for
1: you old school listeners.
0: Yeah. So for me, I I like Pittman the best of the three. I I think, uh, you know, he's somebody, again, if he was drafted just a couple picks earlier, he would have been a first rounder, right? And like, that's, it. but the difference that people have in their mindset that, oh, this guy's a first rounder versus second or third or, you know, day two guys. Pittman was an early second round pick. They invested in him. He, when he was out there, you know, he showed, he showed some promise, but he just was banged up all year. And, uh, you know, they were especially trying to lean on JT uh, in that second half. Um, so I like Pittman the, uh, the best of the three, um, even if he is the most expensive, when you get down this far, uh, he's 46th overall or 46th amongst wide receivers, 121st overall right now. He's a guy that I think now with Carson Wentz, a little bit different type of quarterback um, in this offense and go ahead into year two. Uh, you know, he's, He's definitely not in my top five, you know, sophomore wide receivers, but dang, you know, I really do like the upside. So I'll end up with him, you know, a bunch. So I would rate a Pittman, Hilton and Campbell. I, I just think I don't have a ton of faith in Paris Campbell yet. He, the dude is just banged up all the time. So if he, and he's going last of the three, I'm pretty sure I don't even know where he is on this list. So I
1: don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very <laughs> sure you're right now. Listen, here's the thing. this is where you're contradicting. Cause typically you want the best, the cheapest of, of yes. a trio here. That guy is Paris Campbell. That guy's looking but, at you in the face. And tell me, I mean, Paris Campbell, he might just be the best wide receiver right now in this offense. We have T.Y. Hilton clearly out of his prime. Mm-hmm. We had one year of Michael Pittman in which there was no Paris Campbell to be had. Uh, I, I have a couple notes here, just some stuff I picked up on Player Profiler. 18-year-old breakout age. That is 100th percentile. Ninety seventh percentile burst score, ninety seventh percentile speed score. The dude ran a four three one at six foot two hundred and five pounds. Kyle, give me. I mean, is there any reason why this guy cannot be the wide receiver one in this offense? I think he's super underrated. I think he's super flying under the radar. I think there's not a lot of target competition in Indianapolis. I you know I mean I like Michael Pittman, but I don't think he's an enormous threat. I like Ty Hilton, but. He's over the hill. So, uh, I mean, P- Paris Campbell seems to have all of the athletic prerequisites. Do you think he can put it all together? If he stays healthy, you know, big asterisk next to If he stays healthy, do you think that, I mean, is this possible wide receiver one in his own? All- I right? think the,
0: the dip it's possible because yeah, the other guys are not solidified. I think there's some question marks with all of them. The reason that I like, even though Pittman's the most expensive, I like him the most is because we're, now we're talking outside the top 100. Like we're at this point, um, you know, and Campbell, I had to search his name there and it probably caused my internet to probably like out.
1: 300 <laughs> or something. It was like
0: 290 or something like that. So, like, yeah, you know, it, so if I had to rank him, if I had to rank him like including that, I would, I would go Pittman still first, but then I would probably put Campbell over just because I know like I could just take with my last pick over T.Y. Hilton. Um, I figured they were a little bit closer than that. But um, yeah, once you kind of, once you get in the later rounds, you know, the, that price isn't that big of a deal. If I'm, if I'm taking a guy in round 10 versus round 13, at that point, everybody's kind of going for their, you know, their favorite dart throws. If that's a, for me, that's a difference between, Oh, I had to take this guy in round four versus round, you know, even round five, like that, that's a bigger gap for me as far as, you know, the, what I had to give up elsewhere. So I, I I still prefer Pittman. I think he's just a more complete player, but Campbell. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely showed, you know, flashes, during his time in the NFL. And it is wide open. You know, it's definitely not like, Oh, he's playing for, he's trying to get second fiddle. Like it's wide open there in, in uh, Indy. They didn't address the position like people thought they might. Um, and you know, they're as much as I do like that offense, you know, the there's, and I'd like, these names are interesting. Like there's not one guy that jumps out um, anywhere in that offense right now. So it's just, it's going to be interesting to see how that situation shakes.
1: Yeah, Campbell, uh second round pick. He's got the he's got the pedigree. It just seems like again, it's just that injury bug that's kind of seems to be suppressing his value. People aren't sure exactly what he is. I feel like it's kind of the same thing with another dude I mentioned, Mike Williams. You know, I, I just I struggle, man, to fade players because they might get hurt. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like sure. the, the dreaded injury prone label. Uh, but Mike Williams, seventh overall pick in 2017. It's like it's that pedigree that just you know it keeps keeps me coming back. You know who else was a seventh overall pick in their draft, Kyle? Randy Moss. <laughs> you know who else was the seventh round pick in their draft, though? Who's that? Jerry Rice. Jerry. <laughs> well
0: Who's then right? I mean, there's no arguing with all that.
1: You know who else was a seventh round pick in their in their draft? Torello. Owens. Terrell. <laughs> oh jeez you guy. know you know who else who else was the uh seventh overall pick in their draft
0: i have a feeling you're gonna tell me tim brown <laughs> so this makes mike williams you know, <laughs> all you, know
1: you know who else was the seventh overall pick in their draft
0: andre johnson <laughs> i think at this point your dad is off <laughs>
1: I was wondering how long I could go before you finally called bullshit. I'm on like, me. what the hell
0: are we talking about here? Like, there's
1: no way all these guys were no. overall. What are the odds? What the? Hell? Uh, no, I just googled like the all time receiving list, and I was like, this would be funny. Yeah, I was. I'm like, I, that doesn't guys. sound right at
0: all. But I, I'm like, he's the one saying it, not me. So I'm i like, like, oh yep. Jake, Jake did the research. <laughs> I guess. Ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know this guy. Uh, no. actually, like, I, I was gonna say this on Williams. Like, if we. You know, and this is one of those things, and you can definitely just get caught up in narrative a bit. But like, we all love Justin Herbert, right? And I love Keenan Allen, and he's gonna ball. But like, they lost Hunter Henry. Yeah. They didn't really bring in anybody else of significance that we're expecting to contribute right away. Mike Williams is playing for a contract. I will bet on that a lot. You see these yeah. guys all the time coming out and showing up in contract years. So, you know, it's just, there's, there's not a lot of weapons in that offense and, you know, as much, and I love Eckler, but there's plenty, of, there's plenty of targets to go around. And Williams is a downfield threat, big play guy, you know, as yards per reception, he is at, he's towards the top of the league every year, you know, so he doesn't need, you know, 150, he doesn't need 120 targets. He could do it. Give me, give me, give me a hundred and you're in this is, and he's our, he's going to outperform the value that you're going to able to get him for right now. So
1: we, we already saw this guy put up a thousand yards in, in 2019, we saw this guy put up 10 touchdowns in 2018. Didn't he have like – that year he scored 10 touchdowns. Didn't he have like
0: like 43 catches?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know. It was like 600 and something it was, yards. It was it,
0: so yeah. ridiculous. He had it like no catches. Sense,
1: but if he could just put that 10 touchdowns together with that – I mean, what's stopping him from putting it all together? It's simple. In simple 2021 for a Devontae Parker-style breakout – I think that's now the Devontae Parker patented breakout. You got to yeah. wait. This is this actually might be, is this his fifth year? I this is know. your
0: five. This is your five. I'm from pretty
1: sure. Yeah. I, I guess so. it was 2017. Yeah. They picked up his fifth year option. Yeah. So what's, what is stopping him from putting it all together this season with the best quarterback he's ever had. One of the top young ascending quarterbacks in this league, I think Mike Williams is going to end up being a tremendous value in drafts. That's a guy that I want to take a stab on. I mean, you know, we're talking about doing this quote-unquote zero wide receiver thing. Yeah. And again, it's scary, like the zero RB thing. But I mean, you, you take your wide receiver one as DJ Moore. You take your wide receiver two as Mike Williams. It's not sexy, and it's not recommended. I'm not telling you to do that right here on the Fantasy Football Smackdown. But I mean, if the rest of your team is Travis Kelsey <laughs> and you've got you know, Christian McCaffrey was your first pick, you circled back around and got, you know, your, your team could be jacked and, and you can end up coming out there with a hero in Mike Williams and a hero in DJ Moore. It's a lot of wishful thinking if I'm being, if I'm being truthfully honest with you. I, I'd much rather uh, shoot for Mike Williams as my wide receiver, I don't know, four I'd be comfortable with. Yeah, and three seems a little scary, but I'd
0: go for it. I think if I was in a pinch, he's going so late in 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 drafts like at that point, too. Sometimes it's just we don't need to overthink it. Just keep it simple. The dude is going to be involved in a high in a high powered, high volume passing offense done with an with an elite quarterback. Right. Give me that. You know, sometimes it's just that easy. Just find those guys, um, you know, or, you know, you what you want volume, you know, and he's not a target hog, but he's going, you know, he's going to be an offense that is going to throw the ball a lot. And with a, with a quality uh, quarterback. So, you know, those targets are going to obviously be quality as well. He's not going to drew lock him to death. So um, yeah, they, he's a guy that jumps out to me as well. He just doesn't, it seems like he doesn't fit in that group. I'm just like, I don't know. I think I just like him better than all those guys easily. Um, so it's a, he's, that one's been interesting to me so far this season.
1: Before we sign out of here, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the Detroit wide receiver situation. <laughs> Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's gonna be a value. He's buried so deep right now in ADP that even by draft season, I feel like he's gonna be just barely being drafted. But, um, it, it, they, ha- they actually have a little more depth in Detroit than I <laughs> originally thought. So they've got Amon Ross St. Brown, they've got Brashad Perriman, who's you know, he, he's shown flashes, right? He, he was a highly touted prospect back in 1970. <laughs> They've got Tyrell Williams. They've got Quintez Cephas. Something came out about him today looking awfully nice mm-hmm. uh, uh, with the Lions. So how I'm curious how exactly you, just for the fun of it, to wrap up this episode, Kyle, rank the Detroit oh Lions God. wide receivers. I will, right. and I'll, I'll read them off again in case you forgot them because I don't blame you. I'm on Ross St. Brown, Rashad Perriman, Tyrell Williams, Quintez Cephas. And you let me know because I might even be forgetting somebody uh first hawkinson, hawkinson doesn't count oh damn you that was my joke uh, <laughs> all right. Swift. All uh,
0: <laughs> no uh yeah and th- but these are the guys that if you're you're all they're all going they're all gonna go you know double you know 12 plus you know i'm feeling like right and if somebody wants to reach any other than that then that's on them but this is an offense like sometimes you just got to look at like man i wish it wasn't i wish the alternative wasn't uh to rod tyrod whatever he wants to be called taylor in houston like that's the team that's gonna be chucking the ball a lot too but you know as weird as it sounds like i'd rather have jared goff throwing the ball 650 times than you know they're not gonna throw it that much with tyrod under center so sometimes there's these there's these types of situations where like the defense is crap there's no other premier to get guys so people someone's gonna fall into 100 targets here um for me it's tyro williams uh you know do i love him more than anyone else am i that passionate about it not really but when they're all going to go borderline undrafted I will take Tyrell he's he's shown it he stepped up for Keenan Allen a few year just a few years back uh in they might have hell they might have been in San Diego then still so um you know it's been a while but I think the guy is, has his shown enough flashes to do, but am I overly confident in any of them no but uh the situation spells enough where you can take a shot you know it's not like I said it's not Houston where you're trying to find who that oh who's the wide receiver 2 for the Texans it doesn't matter He's wide receiver 87 when it comes to fantasy, so you don't need to worry about him. So. hey,
1: don't, don't you talk about Nico Collins like <laughs> that right
0: now, Kyle. Jesus. The bet dudes one of my favorite things to do is look at rookie ADP and stuff. And then go, you don't even need to do your own. Go look then at any rankings. Go look at dynasty rankings. And it's like, oh man, this guy's an early third round sleeper, right? In rookie drafts. Yeah, he's even even with all that hype right now, he's ranked like 91st among receivers, just like it's hilarious where these guys really end up, but I do have some part. I have some numbers. that I can, I think we can wrap the show up. I don't know how much response you would have to these because it's kind of just their numbers, but uh, I did look this up three year average, right? So bear with me. Cause this is kind of, we got some numbers here, three year average wide receivers that has scored more than 14 points and half PPR. There were uh, over the last three seasons, they've averaged, he's, they've averaged 11 wide receivers to score 14 or more in comparison, running backs have 12. Uh, wide receivers to score between 12 and 14 points 11 compared to running backs at nine so we're running backs kind of have an edge there but from point from uh nine to 12 points per game wide receivers average 24 wide receivers score between nine and 12 fantasy points per game compared to running backs is at 13 so overall on average players to score at least nine points per game there are 47 wide receivers on average over the last three years compared to running backs at 35. You're talking about 11 extra players that are getting you in that range compared to the running back position. This tells you just how deep the position is, where that running back fall off is, and why I think it's just it's way smarter to just continue to take flyers on the wide receiver position because you're going to be able to find these guys. Again, an average of 47 wide receivers over the last three years have scored at least nine fantasy points per game in half PPR compared to 35 at running back. I mean, when I did that, when I saw that, I'm like, that's exactly why I feel way more comfortable taking stabs at wide receivers. So, and there, and we've talked about a lot of names here today too.
1: Yeah. I know from firsthand experience, it's real easy to get caught up when you're at the end of the draft and that first big bundle of running backs is off the board. And you're like, Oh, I'm staring at the top three wide receivers right now, or I could have the RB six or RB seven. Yeah. But, but, but when you, when you put it into perspective like that and just, you know, the value of of wide receivers that you can find that we displayed here today in the sixth, the seventh, eighth round and beyond uh, all the way to your Amon Ross St. Brown's with your last pick, you know uh, it, it, it definitely makes sense. I mean, I, you know, we, we talked about it before. I think all in all what I've taken from the zero RB thing slash zero wide receiver thing and you sort of alluded to it when you talked about your strategies. It's kind of like, you know, I kind of like that anchor running back thing. I like mm. to get me that solid running back and then load up on those PPR monsters. Get me those guys that are going to just score me points on account of volume alone. <laughs> um, and then the, the production. Otherwise, is just a bonus. Yeah. But um, But yeah, man, I'll tell you what this was uh this was super fun talking about some wide receivers we've covered wide receivers we've covered uh running backs. i don't know if we've talked about it too much you want to do uh, are we doing quarterbacks are we doing tight ends what do we got in store
0: i mean we, de- we definitely are going to cover these positions talking some strategy we might have something special in store for next week too people just have to tune back in uh mainly because i don't know yet uh but uh i and as we part this off two man i think the only guy that might get more pub than a cube to lead podcast on this show over the course of this year is going to be I'm on Ross St. Brown. That guy <laughs> is going to be on every damn show. When we talk tight ends on Ross St. Brown's going to make an appearance.
1: Yeah, It's going to be tight ends. i on Ross St. Brown and keep to <laughs> There we go. All right, man. Well, this has been a ton of
0: fun, Jake. Thanks for hosting. This is uh, a great discussion. Again, keep doing those mock drafts. Get a feel for what these draft rooms are going to look like come August. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Jake Takes FF. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Month Eight. Subscribe, rate, and review the show again. Don't forget those four star reviews for Keep To Podcast and rate. And when you rate, put the FF Smackdown in the in there and watch us on YouTube because now you can see Jake's awesome shirt. We'll catch you guys next week. Until then, see you later. <laughs>